Welcome to the Truth Hurts program. I'm your host, Steve Z. This program is protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize in advance if you are offended, but we retract nothing. Please enjoy the program. On this edition of the Truth Hurts program, I've decided to step away from politics, religion, sexual orientation, government, conspiracy, controversy, and talk to you about something near and dear to my heart, my stomach, and my soul. We're going to talk gumbo right after this. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. After a very successful duck hunting season and a trip to the local Cajun market, I had the idea to make one of my favorite dishes on planet Earth. Duck and sausage gumbo, Cajun style. I've been cooking Cajun and Creole foods for the better part of my adult life. And though I don't ever claim to be an award-winning chef or a chef at all, I have been accused of making a pretty awesome pot of chicken and sausage gumbo, of Cajun spaghetti, of Cajun shrimp jambalaya, and of seafood gumbo. In fact, while I served on a federal task force for about two years in our nation's capital, we held a gumbo cook-off in which I took a clear first-place victory. Many people have asked me for my recipe, and I don't mind sharing it. But I figured it would be easier for me to just do it on the program today, as opposed to trying to email a recipe. So, for your listening pleasure, and hopefully later this week, for your gastronomic pleasure your palate pleasure, your taste bud tantalizing pleasure, here's a Steve Z Cajun duck and sausage gumbo. Now, if you don't have duck, you can use chicken. It's still a bird. So here's what you will need. The ingredients, very, very important. And the best part about a podcast is you can keep rewinding this as you need to. Go back to it for reference purposes. The list of ingredients is as follows. A six-pack of your favorite beer. What? Trust me on this. You need a six-pack of your favorite beer. Put it in the fridge. Let it get nice and cold. You will need three tablespoons of all-purpose flour. You will need four tablespoons of vegetable or olive oil. I prefer vegetable oil. You will need one large yellow onion diced. You will need one bell pepper diced. The type of bell pepper you choose to use makes all the difference in the world. Of course, the green standard bell pepper is usually the bell pepper of choice. Male bell peppers have three bumps. Female bell peppers have four bumps. What are you talking about, Steve? If you turn a bell pepper upside down, you can count the number of bumps on the bottom of the bell pepper. A male bell pepper has three. A female has four. Female bell peppers are filled with seeds, but they're sweeter. And those seeds will then form new pepper plants if you want to save them. Female bell peppers, the ones with four bumps, are better for eating raw. 
the three lobe or three bump bell pepper is considered male and they are generally considered better for cooking because they're not quite as sweet and they have a little bit stronger pepper taste. They're not hot, they're not spicy, they're just very flavorful. So I choose to use the three bump bell pepper when I cook gumbo in a small pot like I'm describing for you today. If I were doing a much larger pot, we'd have more than one yellow onion, we'd have two, and I'd have a male and a female bell pepper in there and I would double the amount of celery. But anyway, we're getting off track. You will need a package of celery hearts diced. You will need a bottle of Wharton's Nature's Seasonings. Two tablespoons should be enough for the entire recipe, but it's always good to have a little extra in case you wanna shake on a little more flavor. You'll need about one and a half to two teaspoons of minced garlic, about an eighth of a cup of chopped shallots, and about a tablespoon of chopped parsley. You will need two pounds of duck breast meat, or the meat from a duck's legs. Or, if you can't find duck, chicken works just fine. Two pounds of chicken. You'll need a 16-ounce, one-pound package of Cajun andouille sausage. If you can't find that, you can use smoked sausage. You'll also need a 16-ounce, one-pound package of kielbasa, Polish sausage. If you like it hot, use hot sausage. You will need 64 ounces of Swanson's chicken broth liquid, four chicken bouillon cubes, two large bay leaves, a tablespoon of crushed or ground cayenne pepper, a tablespoon of Zatarain's liquid crab boil concentrate, a small bottle of Zatarain's gumbo filet, and three cups of Mahatma long grain rice. I'm not being paid for these endorsements. These are just the brands that I use when making my, I can say, award-winning gumbo. All right, boys and girls, now that you have all the ingredients, you need to decide whether you want your gumbo to be, as I call it, chunky or smooth. You see, some people have a natural disdain for large chunks of celery or onion or bell pepper. But those ingredients are quite necessary for a proper gumbo. So if you do have people with an aversion to large chunks, put your onions, your bell pepper, your celery, and your garlic into a food processor and mince the hell out of it. Make it almost like a puree or a thick paste. But do not leave out these very necessary and important building block ingredients. Your friends won't notice the difference in the flavor if you mince them down to nothing. And you won't get the dirty looks by having large chunks of green stuff in your gumbo. A good gumbo depends on the amount of time you are willing to invest in the end product. When I'm planning my week's menu and I know that I'm going to cook gumbo on a Wednesday evening, for example... I take my duck meat out of the freezer and let it thaw for a good two days on the bottom shelf of the fridge. And I marinate it, all of my proteins in fact, at least one day in advance. And I mix a special marinade, especially when I'm using duck because sometimes duck has a really gamey taste and that turns some people off. My marinade 
for using duck breast is different than for using chicken. In the case of wild duck meat, I use some Morton Nature's seasonings, three parts water, one part Jack Daniels, and one part whole milk. And I let that duck breast or that duck leg meat, thigh meat, marinate in that for at least one day in the refrigerator. Now on the day you're going to start cooking, I suggest taking that marinating meat out of your refrigerator and place it out on a sheet pan. You know, just lay it all out, separate it. Don't dry it off, but don't let it sit in its own marinade for long periods of time. You just want it to be there and be ready to accept a light sprinkling of Morton Nature's seasonings. Before you begin actually cooking, like I said, marinate that duck meat or that chicken in the refrigerator for at least 24 hours to remove any of that gamey taste. Marinate it with a mixture of three parts water, one part Jack Daniels, one part milk, tablespoon of salt in the refrigerator. Sometimes I'll add a teaspoon of Zatarain's liquid crab boil concentrate. Gives that meat an added little kick. Now on the day you're going to cook, like I said, you take that meat out of the fridge, you set it in a pan on the stove or on the sink or on the kitchen counter somewhere. Sprinkle it with some Morton Nature's seasonings on both sides of the meat. Cover it with plastic and let it sit long enough for about room temperature to be achieved. This way when it's time to brown the meat, it won't be too cold in that hot pan. The browning will come later. Okay, now we've got those ingredients out the way. Let's start the process by doing something that must be done. Get your six pack of beer and pull one off. Drink half of one beer. To begin any proper Cajun dish, you must make a roux, R-O-U-X. Here's how you do it. Start by heating a saucepan. Cast iron works best. Add about three tablespoons of vegetable oil or olive oil. And when that oil gets hot, I mean really hot, like hot enough to make a drop of water sizzle, go ahead and add three tablespoons of flour and vigorously stir it with a wooden spoon until it begins to turn a golden brown. I cannot stress to you enough that you must use a wooden spoon because the heated oil will melt a plastic spoon and ruin the roux as well as the plastic spoon. All right, keep stirring. Don't walk away from this mixture. You have to keep stirring because if it burns, your house will stink for days. Burnt oil and flour will not smell good. But a properly browned, golden brown vegetable oil and flour roux smells like grandma's kitchen. Keep stirring it. It should be the consistency of pudding. You don't want it too watery, but you don't want it too firm. If it's too thick, add a little bit more oil to the mix and that will bring it to the consistency of pudding. If it's too watery, add a little bit more flour. But the end result should be a well-stirred flour and oil roux that is medium brown in color. I used to put a reference in here to guide people as to what a medium brown color looks like but I was accused of being a bigot. So you'll just have to figure out what medium brown means to your eye. Think Halle Berry, Jennifer Hudson, Queen Latifah. Once you've achieved this, immediately remove the roux from the heat. Take the pan off the flame. Move it to the side. Don't touch it. 
Third-degree burns are very possible if you dare to touch boiling oil with flour in it. Congratulations, you have just made a roux. Finish that first beer, you deserve it. A roux, by the way, is the Cajun or French base that is the fundamental for all Cajun gumbo and jambalaya dishes. Like I said, set that roux aside. Now in a large soup pot, put that diced onion, diced bell pepper, celery, and minced garlic mix into the pot. Turn it on high and stir it constantly. Allow them to render down, to cook down slightly wilted, but not caramelized. You want those vegetables to render down in their own juices. Some people choose to put a quarter of a cup of water in there to entice the pot to start cooking. I don't necessarily recommend that. I want the actual juices to render from the vegetables. As soon as this is achieved, go ahead and add your diced chicken pieces and brown them up. After they're browned, go ahead and add your sliced sausages. I like to do two different slices on my sausage. The andouille sausage I make little discs out of. I just chop, 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 chop along the entire length of the sausage so I have lots of little round wheels. For the other sausages, I slice them long ways so that I end up with two long halves of a long sausage. And then I slice those halves into small D-shaped pieces of sausage. And that way I have little half circles of sausage to complement or to contrast rather with the other round disc andouille sausages. I do that mainly to give a little more definition and make it easier to distinguish between the andouille and the Polish sausage in the mix. It just shows that there are two different types of sausages in there. Okay, so now that we have our vegetables somewhat cooked down, we have our chicken and our sausage in place and they're nice and brown, we add two containers of liquid chicken broth a tablespoon of Zatarain's liquid crab boil concentrate, a little bit more if you want it a little more spicy. We add the tablespoon of Morton Nature's seasonings, two bay leaves, a teaspoon of minced garlic, and we bring that mixture to a boil. Now once it is at a rolling boil, you stir in that roux mixture that started this whole process out, and that will thicken up and darken the actual broth. We add the teaspoon of cayenne pepper. You can always add more after you taste it to see if you'd like a little more kick in your gumbo. Okay, now that we've got that going, go ahead and pop open that second beer and pour just about half of that 12 ounce beer right on into the mix. The next step is very important. Go ahead and finish that second beer. Drink it up, you deserve it, you're doing good. Okay, now bring the mixture to a nice rolling boil for at least 10 minutes. Put a top on it and vent the top. Make sure that some of the steam can get out, either through the sides or if you have a vented top. Let it come to that boil. Let it roll for 10 to 15 minutes and then reduce it to a nice simmer. And let it simmer for about an hour to an hour and a half. Now drink that third beer during the process and don't let your gumbo burn. You will need to stir it occasionally. Now, while all this is going on, you can prepare your rice. I personally like to cook rice the old-fashioned way, in a saucepan. You mix three cups of rice, seven cups of water, a teaspoon of salt, 
you bring it to a boil and you let it roll and as the water starts to boil out and the rice starts to expand and soften you reduce that rice to a simmer you place a top over the rice pan and at a very low heated simmer you'll start to notice the rice kind of flattens out on the top with a little bit of water just barely bubbling through little venturi holes that are made in the rice you don't want to burn the rice you don't ever want to stir the rice during the process except after about the first minute of the rolling boil you want that rice a little bit sticky for gumbo you serve about an ice cream scoop size portion of rice into the center of a bowl and then gently cover it over with the gumbo when it is finished cooking sprinkle a little gumbo filet on top and garnish with a little bit of that chopped parsley and the shallots that you chopped early in the process. And remember, you now have three beers left to drink with your dinner. So sit back and enjoy it. Now, some people have asked, Steve, you haven't mentioned okra in your gumbo. I'm not a fan of okra in a chicken and sausage gumbo or a duck and sausage gumbo. But if we do another program with seafood gumbo, I'll explain the whole okra deal to you. Seafood and okra gumbo is fantastic. Now, if you wanted to place okra in this particular chicken and sausage gumbo or a duck and sausage gumbo dish, the time to add your okra would be right around the time you opened that second beer and added it to the mixture. Okra is best prepared if you cut the top and the very bottom off and then dice it into little discs about a half an inch to three quarters of an inch in length. Drop them into the boiling liquid and just let them do their thing. They will get slimy. It will make the gumbo much thicker. But again, I'm not a fan of okra in a chicken and sausage gumbo or a duck and sausage gumbo. Only in my seafood gumbo. And we'll do that one another day. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed today's little presentation, a little aside from politics. Gumbo transcends politics, religion, ethnicity, sexual orientation. Gumbo can bring families together. Gumbo can make an office all get along, at least for a little while. If chicken soup is good for the soul, then chicken and sausage or duck and sausage gumbo is the true path to heaven. Now when I'm eating my gumbo I prefer French bread as a little side. Not crackers, it's not clam chowder. This is gumbo and a little French bread with some fresh creamery butter spread over the top of the open-faced French bread just adds a little touch of southern charm. It's the kind of bread we use to make po'boys. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the recipe, folks. This has been an encore presentation of the Truth Hurts program, Steve Z's Cajun Duck and Sausage Gumbo recipe. I hope you enjoyed it. Please let me know if you'd like more of these types of shows as little asides from the rigors of politics, religion, news media, scandals, crime, and all the other bad things going on in the United States of America and around the world for that matter. I'll be glad to share any type of material with you 
that you might find interesting. Please let us know what you thought of today's program. You can drop us a line if you have our number, or you can send a tweet to us at Hertz Program on Twitter. You can also drop us an email at thetruthhurtsprogram at gmail.com. It was kind of refreshing today to get away from all of the normal garbage that we have to report here on the Truth Hurts program. And since we've got a cool front moving through, a nice hearty pot of gumbo does sound pretty good. Bon appétit, mon frère. Good eating, my friends. Make it a great day, everybody. We'll see you next time. Now for all the legal mumbo-jumbo. Please use common sense and safety when preparing any dish that we discuss on the Truth Hurts program. If you are allergic to any of the ingredients listed, please refrain from using them. If an allergic reaction occurs, seek medical attention immediately. We do not endorse any of the brands mentioned on this program. Your results may vary. To the lawyers out there, suck it. Introducing the 2021 Schluter Liberal battery-powered sports car for the flamboyant ultra-liberal who wants to go really fast. The Schluter Liberal is powered by four electric motors and 968 AA batteries that can propel this new car up to 160 miles per hour in only nine seconds. Do you need to travel far? The Schluter Liberal can travel up to 13 miles before needing new batteries, which can be purchased just about anywhere. For an additional $12,500, you can upgrade your Schluter Liberal to rechargeable batteries. You'll never have to drop off boxes of depleted batteries again at one of those pesky recycling centers. You'll never use fuel again. Simply recharge your Liberal at home. Shh. Don't tell anyone that your home electrical service is still dependent on fossil fuel generating stations. That will be our little secret. Worried about safety? The Schluter Liberal is a two-seater that weighs in at 9,250 pounds. It comes with Kamala airbags, the kind you have to blow yourself, and self-groping seatbelts shaped like the President's own hands. And with starting prices at an impressive ultra-low $89,999, you can be the first person on your cul-de-sac to own a Schluter Liberal two-seat sports car. So order yours now. They're available only in California, while federal subsidies last. Plus federal tax, state tax, city tax, wealth tax, income tax, inheritance tax, estate tax, excise tax, capital gains tax, reparations fee, donation to Democrat National Committee, title, license, destination, entitlement, and fees. Some assembly required. Safety claims are totally false. Disposal of old batteries in landfills makes us cry. Hey, honey, I know you need a break from the kids. I think I'll take them down to the grocery store. Do you have a list for me? Sure do. Take my car and fill the tank for the week, please. Oh, but honey, I was thinking about taking the all-electric Shandu Democrat. Now I have to take your gas-guzzling SUV? Yes, dear. We're doing our part, but I still need fuel for my gas guzzler. <laughs> Will do, honey. Daddy, did you pack the hand sanitizer? Yep. Daddy, do you have enough face masks for you, me, and Susie to each double mask? Double what? Double mask. My teacher says we all need to wear two masks when we go out. Son, your teacher is a... My teacher's a what, Daddy? Oh, never mind. Two masks for each it is. 
Daddy, do you remember the things we need to look out for before we enter the store? Things? What things, son? Our teacher said that Dr. Fauci said to look for big signs on the door requiring everyone to wear masks and to make sure that there's somebody at the door with a counter or a clicker or a computer tablet to count the number of people who go into the store, to count the number of people who come out of the store so there's not too many people inside the store. Oh, really? And, and she said we have to make sure that there's sanitizing wipes and we wipe down the handle of the grocery cart before we touch it because those things are nasty. Oh, really? Yep, and, and to wear disposable gloves when we pick up any item because the person who stocked the shelf might have a virus and the people who picked it up and put it back down and looked at it might have a virus and, and the people that walked by might have breathed on it and put the virus on it. She says everyone in the store is gross, filthy, nasty, and probably has the virus. Son, I need to tell you something about your teacher. Hi, Mrs. Richmond. I was just talking to Daddy and telling him about all the safety items we discussed in class today. And Daddy was just getting ready to tell me something about you when you walked up. Oh, really? Like what? Tell her, Daddy. Tell her what you were about to tell me about her. She's my favorite teacher. She's right here, so you can tell us both. Well, son, I was just about to tell you that your teacher is a wise person and that she really knows her stuff about store safety. Why, thank you. That was very kind. And I know it was sincere by that grimace on your face. Well, Timmy, don't forget to wipe down your daddy's grocery card handle for him. I don't see that wet shine on the handle like we talked about in class. Okay, Mrs. Richmond. Daddy? Yes, son, I get the picture. Why, I yawn. Hey, George, it sure is nice to have the privilege of pulling this nice new travel trailer down the highway behind your brand new truck on our vacation. Yes, Charlene, it sure is nice. And towing the boat behind the travel trailer means we can also go fishing and water skiing or just cruise around on the lake when we get to the big lake campground. Oh, George, I can hardly wait. Yeah, me too, honey. We got the folks at the RV shop to make sure that all the brakes and lights work properly so this double tow is totally safe. Wow. Hey, did you see that? That was a little Hyundai pulling a Toyota, pulling a full-sized Ford van. The lights aren't working in the back. The words in tow written in masking tape on the rear window. Look, it's swaying from side to side. That sure looks dangerous, George. That is dangerous. Oh, look, there's another one. Wow, he almost hit us. Nissan pickup with two refrigerators in the back, towing a Honda Accord, and that's towing a full-sized pickup truck with two motorcycles in the back. That cannot possibly be legal. I'm sure glad we're doing it safely, honey. Oh no, honey. It looks like we're being pulled over by the police. License, registration, and proof of insurance, please. Um, okay, officer. Why, why are you pulling me over? You're towing a boat behind a trailer behind your truck. And? And that's illegal. But officer, you had to go past those unsafe cars pulling cars pulling other cars back there in order to catch up to me and pull me over. Why's that? Well, <laughs> sir, it's like fishing. Fishing? Yeah, sometimes you cast your little line into the water and you catch a fish. And ten others just happen to swim by. Looks like you're the one that got caught. Well, officer, it looks like you're using a specific kind of bait. What do you mean? Well, you cast your line in front of my vehicle, but you're letting all of these other unsafe convoys simply pass by. Why's that? Well, to be honest, it's all about paperwork and revenue. What? Yep. I know for a fact that giving you, an obviously privileged white couple, a citation because you can afford a nice new truck and a camper and a boat, you're either going to pay the fine or at least you'll show up for court to argue. You're from out of state, so I'm sure you'll just pay the fine. Look, buddy, I get paid either way. So it's a race bait. <laughs> 
Pulling over those dark-skinned Latinos means mountains of paperwork, calling in the Border Patrol and immigration, spending hours on the side of the road, and most of them don't even have a driver's license, much less insurance or any other safety requirements. That's too much work for me, and I know they won't pay the fine, and they sure as hell won't show up for court. So it's a waste of time and resources. But... No, no, no. We also have to impound those cars, tow them into town, pay storage, and they'll never come back to get them. So we get stuck with all those clunkers out on our storage lot. Get it? Well, that seems unfair to me. Listen, buddy, I don't make the rules. Think of it like this. With all those junkers heading south to Mexico, you won't have to worry about them being on the roads here in the States. Now be a good boy and take your ticket. Pay it, or I'll see you in court. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. If you like what you hear, tell a friend. If you don't like what you hear, just stop listening. This program is protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. If our opinion or content offends you, we apologize, but we retract nothing. We do not own the rights to any pre-recorded audio presented during this episode. Those rights remain the intellectual property of the originators. This program is copyright 2021, the Truth Hurts Network. Background music courtesy of Jason Shaw and Audionautics. This program was produced in cooperation with Studio 63 and Steve Knight Productions. We'll see you next time.